0: This episode of the Better Every Shift podcast is sponsored by the Firestore. Learn more about getting the gear you need at prices you can afford by visiting firestore.com.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Better Every Shift podcast. My name is Aaron Zamzo. I'm a fire lieutenant in Madison, Wisconsin. I'm also a writer for Lexipol and Fire Rescue One. With me on this podcast is always um, the newly promoted, as I like to say, I self-promoted you to Colonel. That's the editor-in-chief, the really the the mind and the muscle behind this podcast, Janelle Fasquette. Janelle, how are we doing today?
2: I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk to your guy, Joe.
1: My guy, Joe. Our guest today is, uh, I call him Uncle Joe. I call him my guy, Joe. It's Joe Minogue. He works uh, with the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation, but he's much more than that. He is, uh, I like to call him the glue of the fire service, because if you know somebody on a department, Joe probably knows somebody from that department and can probably connect you. Um, So uh, this is going to be great because Joe's got great stories, knows a lot of people and this um, kind of, you know put me under your wing a little bit in some of these uh conferences when we met so uh, it's really I'm happy to have you here Joe how are you sir
0: I'm great uh, great talking to and seeing both of you as well
1: <laughs> well I didn't know I, you know I met you at a couple conferences a couple years ago again and and we just hit it off we started talking about different things in the fire service and family and friends and and then you know when I said hey I got to get you on the podcast and then and Janelle sh- sends over your bio I, man you have you have really been serving not only, uh, you know, the community, but us in the fire service for a long time. You've, you've served currently as a national fallen firefighters foundation liaison to FDNY. And, uh, you're on the Phoenix society for burn survivors. You're uh, a commander for N triple F's Memorial weekend. You're uh, a lead advocate. Um, for uh, New York State in Nassau and Suffolk counties, and served there as the stair climb coordinator. You've emceed I don't know how many different stair climbs uh, events. Um, you've also uh, are actually a retired lieutenant from FDNY. I should have started there, where you were on engine 289. You worked on ladder 153, engine 229, and then after September 11th, you became one of the FDNY buglers. And then uh, shortly after that, you were promoted to um, the commanding officer for the FDNY ceremonial unit. And you currently still serve with Bethpage Fire Department in New York. You've been a firefighter there, a captain, lieutenant, training officer, and even publicly elected New York State Fire Commissioner for them. Um, The list goes on and on and on. You, and it's funny because again, I've known you now for four or five years, and we have some really great mutual friends. But I never knew uh, the story of Joe Minogue is actually related to Kylie Minogue.
0: Yes, it was. It was pretty good. So, uh, and my uh, stays with the FDNY also included a short time in the ladder one thirty-eight, right next to to two eighty-nine. And I was a lieutenant in both Engine 290 and Ladder 103 once, uh, once I got promoted. Um, but the story about Kylie Minogue was um, I had a detail coming into the firehouse in, in, uh, in Corona. And the senior uh, firefighter over in the other firehouse calls me up and says, hey, um, there's a guy coming over. He thinks you're related to Kylie Minogue. So could you play it up? Like, yeah, sure, sure so this kid comes into the firehouse and i'm on a on a cell phone uh talking to my wife and kids at home and he's following me around so i'm like hey i, I gotta go I gotta go hang up the phone he goes hey buddy uh are you joe minogue i was like yeah i'm, I'm joe minogue. He because are you related to cali minogue and i like i i do a whole big act and uh he goes oh i'm sorry did i say something wrong i go well and this is all fictitious this is all made up
1: yeah you had no idea at this point, but you're just going with a firehouse prank. Yeah, point.
0: I'm going with the flow. So I said, "Look, when she made it big the first time, she dissed the whole entire family. She thought she was better than everybody else. So now that she has this other hit, she's taking you know the heart that you know she left and, <laughs> and trying to make it up to people, taking people on vacations, cruises, you know, resorts all over the place. And she's coming to my house in two weeks." Have barbecue in my backyard because I, did, I didn't I didn't want to go away when everything else like that. So because oh, can I come? Can I come? I go, Yeah, 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 yeah. You can come. So at uh, towards the end of the tour, I let him off. I told him, like, I go, buddy, I'm not related to Kylie Minogue. I mean, <laughs> she's a great person and all that, but I'm not related. Fast forward, I go to Ireland to find family, and I wind up meeting some family. We meet in the Tomda hotel. And they tell me that I am in fact related to Kylie Minogue, even though distantly, and that doesn't get me anything, not even a cup of coffee. It's, it's a great story to, to to share with people. And we had a good time meeting family in Ireland and all that stuff. So maybe uh, one day I'll get through ancestry.com and 23andMe and, and figure that all out. So yeah, if
1: anybody has a direct connect to Kylie Minogue on here, let's, let's try to make that happen. And, and, um, get, get Uncle Joe <laughs> and Kylie Minogue to finally meet, and I'm sure someone's uh, out there listening, going, "You got this decorated, uh, you know, FDNY, um, you know, lieutenant, and 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 all the stories of FDNY, and then I lead with Kylie Minogue, and, but there is some madness uh, and, and some reasoning behind it because you are so well connected and and you make and connect people and have very solid relationships and and you know, I think that's why you and I gravitated, uh, gravitated, uh, you know, towards each other and, and connected right away, just cause you know, you're very personal and, and you do know somebody, you knew somebody over here and you know, somebody over there. How did that, has that always been embedded in you or where does that, that come from?
0: Um, I don't know where it came from because when I was, um, in school, you know, probably till I was 15, I was quiet. I was, uh, the wallflower you know i thought nobody knew who i was and then um somebody invited me to a cafeteria table um and that that's a whole nother story and <laughs> you no know, it you know my personality blossomed and then everything i do um is just built onto that story my first time public speaking i was uh i had just gone to mccord air force base for the air force fire department um and one of the guys that was in the fire extinguisher shop said hey kid you're going to come with me and we're going to talk about fire extinguishers at the base auditorium so here i am brand new to the air force um had my first stripe on and i have to talk to i don't know 700 800 people about fire extinguishers so that was my first time actually being out talking to people nerve-wracking
2: but after that everything
0: started getting a little more comfortable um what what got you started in the fire service friend of mine um had joined the sound beach volunteer fire department as a junior firefighter and he says hey why don't you come up and do that And i didn't do the boy scout uh, route Cub scouts i didn't do that so i said hey, you know why not charlie if i can come up and see what it's all about i'll come on up i like the fact that they were training they were laughing. They were having a good time. I was like, wow, this lifestyle could be pretty good. You know, so I was 14 years old, and that's what got me into it. And that's what, uh, when I well, wanted to do something in my life, I said, you know what? Let me join the Air Force Fire Service. So I went to the recruiter. He says, you can do anything you want. Your ASAP scores are at the max. You can do anything you want. Why are you going to do a firefighter? I go, that's my dream. It's a dream. It's about helping people and, and and giving back. And that's what I saw from my mentors in the, the fire department. You know, Tommy um, uh, I'm going to miss somebody, Charlie Kalachi, God rest them. you know, um, but those are the people that said, hey, we're here to help people and we're going to have fun and it's family. So it was mm-hmm. great.
1: Yeah. Sometimes dysfunctional, but you know, we always got crazy uncles and crazy aunts and crazy people in a family, right? yeah so then you got it through the air force joined fdny right after that and
0: then no i actually or ran, was there a spot between you no know, i ran companies uh before uh, before that so i worked at uh, shawm nuclear power plant as a uh, security officer and had a great time uh there i uh, left there um ran companies in the city and then um i said that was too many hours you know i had wanted to have a life so you can't work 160 hours a week That. type type of deal you get home and the phone rings and hey we got a problem it's like okay well i hired you to take care of that that's why you're a supervisor why are you calling me so um and then i I found secret uh secret service i found the the (laughs) civil service and became a police officer and same same time um took the fire department test took a long time to get to the fire department had a great time as a police officer um I did domestic violence there for, for a while. And in that, um, you know, helping people, uh, I just ran into somebody recently that said they remembered me. I'm like, oh, how do you remember me from all that time ago? But you were in the paper in a Chinese newpa- newspaper. I did an article for uh, domestic violence to reach that community. And the guy goes, I remember reading it like, wow, that was, uh, Pretty interesting. Twenty-something years ago, somebody remembers an article in a, a Chinese newspaper that I, I wrote. So it's good.
1: Wow that that's that's called making an impact, right? And and that's kind of what I see. You know, whenever you meet people, and 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 that's obviously what I what I remember. And 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 still, whenever I talk to you, I'm like, this is this is a guy who has left uh, a, a trail of positivity and. Um, you know, then when you finally got involved with the fire service and the fire department, FDNY, let's go to September 11th. So at that time, do you, do you remember, you obviously will remember where you are and then how did, how did you get to be on uh, the bugler there?
0: So, um, September 11th, uh, before I was happy being part of the FDNY, I thought it was a great opportunity. I thought it was a great opportunity to kind of slow down my, my, uh my role in everything, just become a firefighter, learn the job, be the best I can for the people that I'm going into fire with or emergency with and just learn it. Um, like I said, great mentors along the way. So September 11th happened, um, you know, we don't have to go over all the details of that, but you know, we, we lost 343, FDNY members, and so not just firefighters, but FDNY members—that that family that we are—and the twenty-three and thirty-seven, you know, police officers from the Port Authority and and um, NYPD. So I went to a, a funeral on the fourteenth, I believe, and there was no bugler. So I went up to the the guys running the the, the funeral. I said, "Hey, where's the bugler?" That's oh, he's at another uh, event, another funeral. So well, I played a trumpet like. Do you have it with you? They were all excited. It's like, no, I don't have it with me. I didn't know I was going to need it. I said, well, you're now part of it. So that's pretty much how I got in. Jules Ponte who was a fire department's uh, bueller, him and I connected. And then we started like, hey, you're going to go here. You're going to go here. You know, you got Long Island and Queens and stuff like that. I'll take care of Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn, Brooklyn and Manhattan and stuff. And then we were so busy, as everybody knows. So we got Bobby Sachi um he came in and played and we had the nypd beulers come in sometimes we would have a kid from high school at some some funerals playing taps and stuff like that so we tried to cover everything the best we could some funerals we did uh for a person more more than once because they found different parts of somebody so you know we would do two funerals for somebody and i think the most we did that i remember was maybe three for a person you know it wasn't as you know as big as it as a main funeral but it was still paying respect to the person and the family
1: so how many funerals did you play
0: i don't know a couple of, a couple, hundred, a couple yeah. hundred
1: yeah i think at one point you said a hundred you told me like 130 something when you when you sat down one day and counted you know yeah. something like
0: that i thought but yeah it's it's um several hundred plus the memorials and all that stuff so it's in mm-hmm. hundreds. Uh, what they what they're doing now um is probably <laughs> past what I, what I did, but it was pretty significant. So, and I still was played that, once in a while. So it's fun. Not was fun. that part
2: of your healing process after nine eleven?
0: Um, actually, I, I think it, um, kept me sane a bit, uh, um, seeing people, uh, also was kind of tough in the fact that it's a 35 second song. And every time I played for somebody, I tried to make it personal for that person. Even though I didn't know them, um, I tried not to listen to the eulogies because the eulogies would mess me up. You know, um, they would mess me up. I remember Chief Stack's uh, funeral. Um, I had to go inside to use the bathroom, and I got caught in the vestibule listening to the eulogies. And then I went outside, I'm like, how am I going to play after you know listening to? the man's life and uh, the legacy he left behind um so i so i would go into the corner not listen to anything do my practice and then kind of get the vibe of what was going on and everybody had their own song for me everybody had their own song no two songs even though it was 35 seconds was the same at the end we always uh, well pretty much always had the helicopter fly over so i tried to time Um, with the NYPD or Suffolk County or Nassau County uh, officer that was calling in the helicopter to time my last notes with the wash of the helicopter. So they blended and the helicopter carried the the last note away. That was pretty much, you know, what I wanted to do. You know, I wanted to give that person, like everybody else in in the ceremonial unit and in, in the fire department, they wanted to give, the best they could to the families to give respect to their loved one. So that was, that was good. Um, I think playing, um, the trumpet so much because you, know, you practice at home for hours and making sure that you had it right, that I think pushing all that air out of my lungs, I actually think helped me physically recover. Even though I got uh, sick later on, I I think physically blowing all that air and everything out of my lungs helped me, Physically uh, recover, you know,
1: help your lungs get stronger. Yeah.
0: yeah. 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 And, you know, whatever particles you had in there, you know, from the cleanup, I wasn't there the day that, you know, the buildings collapsed. Um, but I think what I did breathe in, you know, trying to find people, um, I think, you know, all that dust got in. I think playing the trumpet cleared it out. So, at least that, that's what I'm going to stay with. So,
1: yeah. Well, I, I, um, I remember chief Salka telling a story that, you know, he was down there as well as, 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 you know, almost all of you were, um, you know, for weeks. And he said one night it was a clear night and he wasn't taking pictures of the mountain and he just, the moon, something struck him. And he, he had a camera and he said he, he just, you know, wanted to take a picture of, of a certain area. And he took the picture and he looked at the camera and, and it was gray. And he's like, there's something wrong with this camera right and he 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 cleaned off the uh, the lenses and took it ag- again and what it was was when the flash went off, all of those particles in the air refracted the light, and that nothing would go through and you know and i I remember him him saying he kind of felt at that point he's like there's gonna you know we're breathing in all this stuff for 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 you know weeks and months and and obviously we're we're now finding about out about how that affected everything, so there could be some some actual validity to get clearing your lungs out and, and, and your mind, right? Like mentally going through and, and, and having, um, you know, that's part of the recovery, uh, as well. And, uh, I got to tell you, I, I play drums for our bagpipes, pipes and drums band. And I've played it, um, not, ha- a, you know, anywhere from like 15 to 20, you know, services and your mindset for someone who's listening like, well, how can you have that mindset? It's, is you have a job to do for that, for that family. And that is your right mindset, right? I'm going to play this to the best of my knowledge. And you don't want to get distracted from that in a way. Right. I mean, that's right. kind of what you were thinking yeah. going through. And, and so uh, when you're saying that, I'm like, I, I can relate. Was there ever a time where it, it did get to you then? Like, you know, for me, there's been a couple of moments afterwards, it could be hours. You're just driving in the car and you just, you start to understand the, the, the gravity of that.
0: I, I, I have to say um, every one of them. I mean, there, there were some uh, funerals that I played that I knew the person personally. Um, that, was, that was tough. Uh, Oreo Palmer's uh, funeral, uh, I, like I said, I stayed outside. Uh, so Oreo Palmer's uh, funeral, I'm outside and I'm talking to a bunch of people outside and Oreo's daughter started speaking. So I said, all right, this is my cue to to leave. So I stepped back, I went underneath the tree and I looked at the church and everybody was leaning. It was almost like the wind was pushing everybody to the church. Everybody had to listen to what she had to say. And I think again, um, impactful to who Oreo Palmer was, the legacy he left. As a leader, that he gave to his daughter, that she could get up to the, the microphone inside and and give a eulogy for her father. That, that's that's hard, that's heartfelt. So that was that was that was tough. So what I started doing, uh, and I'm not even sure when, but I would find a place to to play um, for different reasons, kind of out of the limelight. Um, to make it sound good, sometimes you get a spot. You, we could play it off a wall of a church or a building next to you, so it would you get the bounce. But every time uh, I got myself set, I found a place to leave w- without anybody seeing me to just to just walk away. Because now that was it was me. Like I, like I said, I played for everybody personally. It was a personal song. So my heart was into playing for them. Mm-hmm. I didn't want anybody to get into my head and and ask me, "Hey, you know, what are you doing? What are you thinking?" I didn't I didn't I didn't want that. Um, I got caught a couple of times where people saw me coming down a side street or something. It's Like, "Hey, that was really beautiful. How do you do it? How do you play taps? It's a it's a short song. Everybody knows the song. How do you doing? Like, "Oh, thank you, thank you." And I just. Uh, I walk away. I was respectful and polite, but just kind of walk away because, you know, it's tough. It's, it's, it's really tough. Uh, Billy Krukowski's uh, uh, funeral was one of those that was hard to play. Um, Billy came to me in uh, in probate school right after December 18th when we lost Cavalieri, Bohan, and, and, and Bob in Brooklyn. And it was Joe. I went home and, uh, um, had a conversation with my wife about quitting, you know, because he saw it, his wife saw how easy it was to lose your life, you know. And I said, Billy, I go, you know, it's a conversation you have to have, you know, and stuff like that. But, um, look at what the fire service is, look at the camaraderie that we all pull together, even though we're brand new firefighters. Look, look, look what we're part of so later on he came back to me and he said you know i want to thank you for having a conversation because this is the best job in the world you know so when um billy was killed that day it was something i had to finish up with him
1: Mm. yeah you're right it is the best job in the world um and you know we give and we give a lot um but i think we we get also that camaraderie, that family, and so let's talk about how did you get then involved in speaking of giving back? How did the NFF kind of get involved with with FDNY and 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 where did you fit into that puzzle?
0: So um, the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation was tasked by the uh, fire administrator to come to New York on September 11th and help out whatever they could. I had no idea they were there. I was too busy doing all the funerals and and uh, taking care of family in, in the firehouse. Um, and then they had a whistle stop tour. So at this point I'm running a ceremonial when I really find out who they are and uh, they want to do some things in New York. And I was tasked with uh, helping them out, sending coordinating things with uh, Lenny Cola, who is the director for special events, um, with a dear friend, dear, dear friend. and. Could not have uh, accomplished half the stuff we did without her, you know, ability to navigate all the, the things that you have to navigate when you when you do events. So um, they came to to Lenny, Lenny, you know, tasked me to help them out do their events, and and that was the beginning of who I started to see who they were, and then I went to Memorial Weekend down in Emmitsburg as a flag holder, and I saw everything perfect. Here's an organization helping people around the country that they don't know, even though they were created by Congress to help you know families recover and put their lives back together and, and all that. These people, they don't know anybody around the country, and they're helping out. Then to find out that there's thousands of volunteers helping put the memorial service together from around the country helping people they don't know. So it's this family that we just mentioned that it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and tighter and everybody wants to give back. And that that's how I got involved. And then I walked into the command post and I listened to the incident command structure in textbook fashion, function. That That was unheard of at the time to watch everybody stay in their lane. You got a problem? Give it to logistics. You got this problem, you know, give it to safety. You got that problem. Everybody worked in the sandbox together with, you know, no pat on the backs, no egos involved, and and no conflicts. So that's how I got involved, and I I wanted to find out more. So um, when I retired, they said, hey, you want to help Danny and Vinny out? So I started helping out, and then uh, Vinny left, and then Danny left, and then I became the guy. So as it's at, been a fashion that's good
1: and and you you now uh are, are the MC at uh quite a few stair climb events uh you're you're there at a lot of the conferences but you also help develop a lot of the programming um that the n f has launched to help keep us safe and try to um you know tr- try to not get us in, in a fatality situation obviously correct and that's everything from stress first aid to uh, after action reviews, courage to be safe program, um, leadership accountability, a lot of the programs that are available through NFFF, you had your hands in developing, correct?
0: Yes, that was fun to do with uh, the whole team. there's so many names that I can bring in and I don't want to leave anybody out but um, Rick best uh, uh, who just left as the manager uh, was spearheading that you know for years so mm-hmm. You know, it was nice to get together with the advocates, whether it be on a, a phone call, a conference call, and Zoom as it uh, became popular during COVID, or going to a conference and sitting down in a room with like-minded people and, and having a conversation. So it was uh, it, it's a good story. Uh, it's evolving. We just finished teaching uh, some classes in the FDNY for two days. And it, that was actually interesting. Um, and we've done it before but it was nice to come in and take what we've learned nationally from all fire departments and hone it and bring it to the FDNY and have their leadership and from different organizations inside the FDNY to sit and listen. Uh, dispatches, fire prevention, EMS, and the fireside, And everybody, again, working together as a family to to make it and listen to us and see what we had to offer it to to give back so it, it's nice to go to small fire uh, departments or big fire departments and tell a story and listen to their story and you know we you and i have talked and um one of the magics that, that i think you you have is that you, you get to listen to people and you truly do listen to people and you, you you kind of pay it back and i think that's what the foundation does as a whole is we listen and we give it back. Um, my role with the FDY as a liaison, um, unfortunately, over the last 22 years, the FDY has learned so many lessons that, you know, unfortunately, the unfortunate lessons. But what we have learned mental health, funerals, public safety officers' benefit programs, um, safety issues we can bring that from the FDY and pay it forward. Uh, which the FDNY wants to do to the rest of the country, even the peer program, um, which we we help support, goes around the country and, and helps people during times of disaster or hardship. Well, and
1: c- and cancer awareness uh, obviously as well. Like, and and it it seems like it's you know FDNY helps N triple triple F takes that that information disseminates out to the country, and then it comes back to New York, like you were just talking about. It's it's this full circle of of support. And you know, the NFFF is kind of in the middle of it um, and being that liaison. And and um, that's the one thing I really love about working with people like yourself in that organization is it's it's no, it's not there's not one thing or entity that's bigger. Like FDNY is there to help the rest of the fire service and as well as the rest of the fire service is trying to take that information and and maybe there's something they can give back to to FDNY and everybody listens to each other and everybody tries to just get better with that information. Um, and, and I, I've watched you speak. I've, I've listened to your interactions with, with people. You're very personable too. And and your trainings too, isn't not just about you lecturing about leadership. It's you, you ask the driving questions to a department of, you know, 20, and then you get a, someone who's in a department of 200 and, and that their conversation spurs, change really is what it does right like um and it seems like you're very passionate about just talking to people and connecting right and um is that something that you've just developed like you were saying over time through through um you know your your experiences or is it something like you know what i'm actually good at this and this is (laughs) what i'm comfortable doing
0: no I, i i think it's developed um when i was asked to help out with domestic violence in uh, the NYPD, you know, part of that is not just hearing what's going on, but listening, because sometimes when people come in and, and they tell you something, you'll hear something that's that's off. Maybe they're not sharing; they don't want to blame somebody else, or they're they're kind of adding to a a story that they shouldn't embellish. Uh, so. You know, we want we want to help everybody in that that family, regardless if the the, the, the person is a victim or considered a perpetrator. There's some hurt on on both sides, so you have to listen. You have to open, you know, you have to open up and and be able to do that, and then you have to be able to paraphrase what these people that are hurting. You have to give that back to them so they understand that you're listening. So I think overall the the years of of Talking to people, I think it's developed quite a bit. I, I I know I'm not perfect. We're not perfect at all on on anything we do, but I think that's uh, my ability to listen to people uh, has grown. Uh, Victor Stagnaro, I love when I first met him. He, he's now the chief executive officer for the foundation.
1: Yep, yep. friend of the show. Go back yeah. and listen to that podcast, by the way, if people can. Yeah.
0: So he um, he he was just hired by the foundation, and he came to New York. And he's sitting behind the table uh, uh, when we're doing a show with the the why It was their show, we were just supporting it. And he goes, honestly, Joe, I do not know what you do. So he goes, I don't get it. I go, I connect the dots, Victor. That's what I do. I connect the dots because it's not good enough. I I, I have to understand what you do. So the lunch time came out, I think it was lunch time. And I went out and I started talking to everybody. And everybody's coming up to me and we're talking we're having great conversations back and forth. Everybody goes back into the auditorium, and Victor comes up to me and goes, "I get it now." <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. You know Everybody's coming to you talking to you, you're talking to people, you're finding out people. And I saw you bring people together, physically move somebody to meet somebody else. He goes, "I don't know what that was about. It doesn't really matter. The fact that I now get it, watching you talk to people i'm hooked so so that's um that that was a a good vibe you know because you have somebody you know five minutes earlier say i don't i don't get what you do kind of doubting you know having you on staff if you will um as a consultant that it was pretty easy i didn't have to have enough to sell them so it was it was nice it was good the fire store equipping protectors with passion every decision we make as a company is about you our customer We wouldn't be where we are today without you, and we don't take that lightly. We understand that having the right gear can mean the difference between life and death. Our goal is to get you
2: the gear you need, when you need it, at prices you can afford. Visit us at thefirestore.com for everything but the truck and shop our family of brands, including
0: Streamlight, MSA, Lion, Fleer, and more. Now let's get back to the show.
2: Oh, I was going to say, you have such a, a knack for connecting the dots and connecting people. And I'm just curious about if you always also had a knack, speaking of a different skill set, of project management. Because there's the people connection part of it, but then there's the logistics side of running all these stair climb events and serving as a liaison. There's so much that goes into that from a from a logistical standpoint. Has that always been a skill that you had or did you have to really work on that?
0: Um, when you have a good team of people, uh, it, it's, it's good. It, it's really nice to, to trust that. When I took over the ceremonial unit, um, like I said I was a junior lieutenant. I called my, my senior team members in, um, Joel Point, Mark Guerra, um, Craig Slavino. Mickey May, Micah Passo, if I left anybody out, I'm sorry. And we're in the conference room at the Fire Academy. I said, okay, Um, John Burns, uh, he's stepping down, uh, he's retiring, and he asked me to take the the helm, Um, so I have to build a team. And right now, I have pretty much an empty box, no instructions on how to do anything, so I'm going to rely on everybody. And they, uh, I think it was Mickey May put his hand up and says, yeah, we do funerals. And then everybody else, that. I go, so what about all the other stuff? Like, Joe, we do funerals. That's all we know is funerals, September 11th. I go, but you guys are my team. You have 30 years, you have 25 years, you have 26 years. So it's about listening to them, being guided by them. I had my vision um, of what to do. I wanted to help. The new evolution of the FDNY. I wanted to um, make sure that this opportunity, um, as tragic as it is, um, was not in vain and that we had to help the command staff change the FDNY. So, one of my first things I said, All right, well, we're going to learn from everybody. Um, we are going to. Um, build a ceremonial unit to where uh, we can handle losing a whole company at the same Mm -hmm. time. It's not something that we wanted to do. Um, And years later, after retired, uh, to the credit of Joe Lapointe and the team, uh, they took care of, uh, I think, six funerals in one week, all from different firehouses, which made it more complicated, but listen to the team and uh, and that's it. So was, that's the big part. Listen to your team and just learn and put that in your, your box. So when the situation comes up, boom, you know, you have a funeral. We went to, um, New Jersey did a funeral and went to the town council and said, well, how many people were you going to expect in two days? I said 25,000 people. You know, wow. you're going to have 25,000 people in our town. Yeah. He goes uh, to Chief Star, who's a uh, Mike Riley passed away, and he goes to Chief Star, who's the police department there, and uh, says, "Can we handle that?" He goes, "Joe and I already talked about that on the phone. We had a meeting before we came here. We're set. He told me what to expect, and we're good." And mm-hmm. uh, so it's relying on the different elements, and just you know, again, listening to to what everybody's saying. Yeah,
1: Joe, what we- drives you to serve so much? I mean, you. You, you, you were just telling a story off, off uh, you know, camera about how you, you flew to Las Vegas to help a friend who's starting a new charity. And, uh, and, and every time I talk to you, you're either babysitting for your daughter or your grandkids or you're flying to go surprise a mutual friend of us when he gets promoted. I mean, how, where, does, where does that drive to just serve those around you come from?
0: Well, I, I think we're here on this earth for a short time. We don't know how long that's going to be hopefully it's a long time so i can go to my grandson's wedding and, and all that um but you're here for a short time it's easier to give back than it is to ask for something so if you give it back without um asking for anything in return it just it just works uh you you talked about you know that earlier um so i was in colorado i was um speaking at a stair climb they had. And it dawned on me that the stair climbs were started by a bunch of firefighters from Colorado to help the FDNY in our time of need. Didn't want anything in return. They just wanted to help the FDNY, And that they still believe that focus, which I I love them for tremendously. So as I'm sitting there getting ready to speak, I said, wow. The FDNY peers came here for the shooting that was in Aurora, Colorado. So they did something that boomeranged and came back and helped them. So that's what drives me, is the fact that you can give back to somebody else and it, it, it might help somebody else. It may, the boomerang may not come back to you, but it's gonna go to somebody else in their time of need. So that's, that's what really drives me is just to give back um like i said you're here for a short time make the best of it it's easier to smile right than it is to frown that type of attitude right My i think it
1: takes yeah it takes less muscle to uh smile than it does to frown i think and uh i uh, there's actually a, I, I was reading there's actually some research that says says that you have a better uh like a hormonal response when you smile like it, it actually <laughs> there's some chemicals that that go along with it but um, you're you're right. Uh, we are here for a very short time and it's about being as impactful as you can be. Uh, I remember I did a stair climb, um, at one of the, the large conferences and, uh, we actually did a show on it. And, uh, for those that are listening, if you've never done one, a get yourself in shape and go do one, they are very moving. And Joe is one of the, one of the big reasons for that. And, um, do you remember this by the way? So what happens is, you know, you, you climb for someone that has, um, you know, a line of duty death, given their life, a firefighter. And that particular stair climb was, um, we were climbing for a lot of the members lost on nine 11 and I didn't have, um, you know, any real connection to who I chose. And I remember right before you went on stage, I said I'm gonna climb. Uh, you know, I wasn't going to, but Janelle made me do it for the podcast. And um, I said, "Do you know who this gentleman is?" And you looked at it and you said, "Yeah, I played at his funeral." And I, I mean, I, I still to this day, I'm just like, "Oh, Like, okay, I'm finishing this thing. There, there's no reason why I, you know, why I can't. This is just the least amount of things that I could do. I remember I gave that to you, and then but that event people build each other up and it's the essence of what you're about really. And it's a, it's the essence of what the good side of the fire service is about. Um, along with telling everybody to do a stair climb and take care of each other. I mean, what other things do you want this next generation of the fire service to, to really focus on that you think would, would really make the biggest difference in their careers?
0: So, this year um, when I was getting focused for the national stair climb that we had at the US Tennis Center in Flushing um, I was talking to Joan York and Joan um, she lost her husband on September 11th and um, she had recently told me that she had a grandchild so I started thinking about how many generations are affected by a single loss of life so it's not for everybody that, that passed away uh, in, on 9-11, but you think about the thousands of people that were killed that day, the thousands of people, that there are some families that are five deep into the effect of a light of duty death. So you have, if uh, you have grandparents alive, that's one generation, then you have your parents, then you have your siblings, if you have some, or your cousins another generation. Then you have your kids and your nieces and nephews, and then you have their offspring. That's five generations, five generations that are affected by one line of duty death. Um, and so in, in there, uh, you need to pay homage not only to um, someone that died in line of duty, uh, which is great if, if, you, if you, you, you can do that, but think about all the heroes that we have in our own lives, you know, think about uh, the moms, the dads, the aunts and uncles, you know, that are your heroes. Look, look at the people that made you who you are today, right? So if they passed away, whether it be cancer or a car accident or whatever, come and do a stair climb. Use that as a vehicle to pay homage to what they left you, right? Like I said, we're here for a short time, so do the best you can to, to pay it forward. You're given to a, a cause that I don't think we tell our story as first responders well enough because we go on a rig, whether it's an ambulance or a fire truck, we go out, we do what we have to do to help somebody in the community, and then we go back. Maybe we're, if we're a career firefighter, we clean up the equipment and we get ready for the next call. If we're a volunteer, we, we head back, we get the rig ready for the next call, and we go home to our families. But somebody in there, is training you to teach you to give it back to somebody else without looking at yourself like, Hey, pat myself on the back. I just saved somebody's life. That's not what we're all about as first responders. So that that's the drive. I think that's what, um, maybe what you're getting at. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, I think you're saying just be selfish, be selfless. Yeah. The job is, 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 uh, is, is about something more than you. Like you are saying, uh give back what you know take from you know the other generations learn and pass it on and and just you know i guess that's the essence of what we're about on this this podcast is just be better try to get better every single day you're never going to be perfect um you know joe you're pretty darn close but um you know as long as you're trying to move forward you know make progress um and, and then give that back right like um my dad always said, you know, whatever you do, just try to leave the place a little bit better than when you came there. And, you know, I'm not very smart, but I can talk to people who are. And, um, you know, and that's one of the the great things that I see just by hanging out with you is that, Hey, I, I want you to meet this guy because this guy can help you with this. And this guy knows this guy. And in case you're over here and, and really, you know, you know, that because you listen to people and because you care and you're not trying to get anything back. And I think that's That's a genuine lesson. You know, um, I had Chris, uh, Chief Warren, we've mentioned him a couple of times. I've had great conversations because of you, you, we introduced it. But, you know, we were saying things about not just the younger generation, but I think we all need to do something at least once a shift and put our damn phones down and just talk to each other. Talk to your crew and and talk to the people that you're trying to serve. Just try to work on listening because it is a skill that's maybe – we're not very good at anymore. Um, you know, and I think that's kind of what you're saying. If you're selfless, you listen. Um, if you're selfless, you give back. Right.
0: Yeah. So what one of the things that I love for my stair climb, the national stair climb is that the EMS Academy has their probies come and they hold American flags, a three by five American flag on a pole. And they line the course. I, I let the instructor, that runs the school, set it all up, I tell him like what the course is, he takes the vision and, and it executes it. But at the beginning or the end, this year was at the end, I was able to speak to the, uh, the probies. They're now part of the FDNY family. They're part of the fire service. And I, I think when you come to a stair climb, you get to see what the fire service is. So. In, in my story, telling them, you're part of the FDNY family. You're f- part of the first responder family. Anywhere you go, if you tell somebody you're part of the FDNY, there's a smile that comes onto their face. And I know if you tell somebody that you're part of the fire service um, anywhere, a smile comes to their face. They, they, they may not know who you are, but they know who you represent. They rep- you represent something something good. And then when you come to stair climbs and there's civilians there, Because the stair climbs are not just for first responders. It's for civilians that come. And if you you can do um, two steps, that's all you can do, it's appreciated. If you can do this whole stair climb, it's appreciated. If you can do a walk around or if you can just come there to support, it's appreciated. But to connect the fire service with our communities that we serve, and many of the people that are coming to the climb, they may never meet a first responder firsthand, and hopefully they they never will, you know, mm-hmm. in an emergency role. But there, there's a bond that that's there is created. Um, we have a food gathering after my climb, and everybody gets together and talks. And that's that what you were talking about, you know, putting the phone down and have a conversation. Let's let's connect the communities together um my climb i had little pumpkins and the kids were you know painting the pumpkins and do a little face painting that brought other people in to see what's going on what's going on this is what firefighters are all about yeah <laughs> we're, we're so much more than just going out the door oh you and i have talked about some uh firefighters are lawyers some are doctors you know some they they have lives that you you wouldn't believe especially for volunteers they're volunteers they have a they have a job or two or maybe even three jobs you know taking care of their family but they're giving it back so i think coming to a stair climb connecting the dots whether it be just inside your own belief system or connecting the dots with somebody you didn't know and then paying it forward it's 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 really nice. Uh, My goal with my climb is to connect the fire service families with the rest of the fire service. Uh, So they know that mom and dad, they go out to work, you know, may not come back for 24 hours. So what's their life all about? So when they bring their families and stuff and they meet people from different firehouses, EMS stations and all that, they get to see what the, the dots are. The dot, dot, dot. Um, Steve Jobs in one of his books, you know, says one of um, his legacies was, if I can find a book, I, I'd show it to you, but was Connecting the Dots. You know, so um, he has a lot of quotes. Some resonate with people. And my friend Marilyn, um, she bought me a Christmas present and said, I had to give you this book because it's about connecting the dots. So read it. She highlighted it and, and everything else. So I keep it uh, near to my desk. So I can reflect back on that once in a while. So, yeah.
1: well, that's the theme too, that we get with uh, all of our guests. It's, uh, you know, they we read something, talk to somebody, uh, continually just try to, um, develop yourself and, 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 you know, and I think that's contagious in this day and age, especially like you said, if, if people just put their phones down and talk, you can make a pretty drastic, imp- you know, impact and positive impact on people. Um, and, and I think this is a great way to transition. You, you talked about books that you're reading. We like to do something called hot seat questions where we talk about just maybe, there might be a little random, there might be a little bit of planning behind what they are, but we try to dig a little bit more into uh, our guests, who they are personally. I always like to say Janelle's mom has a big play, a part of this uh, because you know she'll come up with questions some of our, our prior guests, maybe Victor has a question that we might use, uh, you know, to ask you, uh, so these are more quick, quicker questions that, uh, we use just to dig in and see who, who Joe Minogue is. And, um, I'm going to have Janelle start it off. Are you ready? As as the first question, should
0: Should I be afraid? Should I be afraid? I don't
1: think, (laughs) I don't think you're afraid of much when it comes to stuff like this. So, um, no, shouldn't be afraid.
0: All right. Rock and roll. Let's go. There you go. (laughs)
2: <laughs> all right joe well this question is all mine you talked about um at the stair climbs you know you don't have to know someone in particular you can have your climb for our hero climb for someone and your life that you want to honor i want to know who are your heroes
0: who are my heroes uh, <laughs> okay. i have my dad uh definitely you know he's on the top uh, rick bruno um, lieutenant uh, in 289. Um, he was the guy I wanted to be when I i became a boss. He was the guy that uh was calm and cool and collected on every single emergency, every emergency. Um, and that's who I wanted to be. I wanted to, when I got on the radio, when I got on the fire ground scene, I wanted to be Rick. And I, I hope, I hope, um, I came close to who rick is um i thank him he gave me a shout out on another podcast um it's, it's pretty funny uh, ben west from <laughs> tennessee shot me a, a picture that was in the podcast like how'd you get that picture but i had <laughs> no hair like, you know just came out of the academy and stuff like that so it's pretty that's uh, that's rick bruno that did that um those are my, those are the two people that are up, up front um ron Sarniky, uh he just left the foundation uh well he's leaving the foundation at the end of the year as um chief executive officer um in the, that title um but he he's a guy that sees things and takes it all in or acts on it we were going to a meeting uh, we were in penn station and we were Gonna take the, uh, I believe the C train. And there's a woman with a stroller. He's left us, went over, said, ma'am, do you need help getting the stroller up the steps? And thank you, thank you, thank you. And helped her up the steps with the stroller. I think a lot of people would have just kept walking and stayed in conversation with us. When he came back to us, he did not lose that conversation at all. Um, when, uh, he came to New York, uh, Danny, uh, McDonough was still around. And Danny goes, uh, Ron's gonna ask you some questions. Uh, so just give him straight answers. I go, so I have to, you know, sugarcoat. He goes, Nope, don't pull any punches, straight answers. So we sat down at night and, uh, preparing for the next meeting with the FDNY. And I think Ron had probably 20, 25 questions for me. He goes, okay, I'm good. So the next day, um, we're in the commissioner's office in the conference room, and Ron said everything I said to him. Did not paraphrase it, but use all of my words to talk to the commissioner. It's like, wow, if I can be, again, half of that person, and live my life that way to give back without, you know, um, a self thrown in there. Then I think I think I won, and I think Ron has has done that over the 22 years that he's with the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation. I've witnessed it. I've seen it. I know everybody else has. Um, so yeah, that's that's uh, another one that that's 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 right up there. So you know. I don't. I won't. I would. I don't want to get into Santa Claus and Easter Bunny and all those. <laughs> that smiles to people, but you know, it doesn't. It's not based in reality.
1: <laughs> uh, well, sometimes that's okay, <laughs> but we'll save that for another podcast. Right. Right. Uh, uh, you know, talking about like heroes. Let's talk about you. And and you know, uh, you don't like to talk about yourself a lot. Uh, I know that because uh, you're more about connecting everybody else. But for you personally, what's one of your proudest accomplishments?
0: My kids, my kids, my three daughters. I, I think that um, giving back um, part of the ceremonial unit, I think that making a difference to everybody else's life, even if they don't know who we are and they'll never see us again. Um, being part of uh, the foundation, again, changing some things, um, helping the foundation move uh, people into um a spot where they could uh and did get public safety officers benefits after 9-11. um when i had a, a number in my head that when that happened i was gonna you know go off to the sunset and you know whatever life was gonna take me and somebody said hey you got what you wanted i'm like yeah isn't it great and they went now what are you gonna do (laughs) <laughs> so it's like, okay, I'll we'll have to think about that. And so here I am still, you know, helping out the foundation and, and giving it back. Um one it and you you mentioned Chris. So I guess he he's not my accomplishment, but my belief in him is, if that makes sense to you. Yeah. When he first went to Lexington Fire, he was a firefighter in Versailles, Kentucky, and he went to Lexington. I told him, I go, chief, you're going to be a chief one day. He goes, don't call me chief. I go, come on, you're going to be a chief one day. He goes, no, I'm a firefighter. I'm happy being a firefighter. So as you said uh, before, um, I, think it would be, I think we were recording. I was at Chris's promotion when he was made lieutenant. I was at his promotion when he was made captain and got to pin him. When he made major, I had to be there because I've watched him. So they just changed the title of major to chief. Yep. And uh, he calls me up. So I'm gonna, I'll go back so. So when he was just joining Lexington, I said, you're gonna be chief one day. No, I won't, no, I won't. I said, I'll bet you a paycheck, he goes. I can take that bet. We shook hands, and I said, "Hey, do you get paid every two weeks or once a month?" <laughs> and it was once a month. I go, "Still the deal, still the deal." So, um, yeah, to to see him progress and and all his successes, building the tight the dive team there, you know, being a chief in, in busy places. But when he was in the squad, busy play, all of it, you know, just watching him and um, see um, see him get married and be happy and to see the kids grow up and, and be very strong kids. That's, um, having belief in him that that's accomplishment, you know? Mm-hmm. You
1: know? Yeah. And, and this is a uh, uh, chief Chris Warren from, from Lexington. And, 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 uh, well, we'll maybe try to have him on the show as well. Cause he's one of the most interesting people in the fire service you've never heard of. He's got some, some interesting stories. He's, he's got, uh, some, um, Uh, some rescues under his belt that he doesn't like to talk about, but we're going to, we're going to maybe try to put him on the spot. But um, you know, I think it's it's your belief in people. Again, it goes back to believing in people.
0: It does. It does. But that Chris, um, to see him, you know, grow so much. um, It's kind of good, you know? So. Yeah.
2: Well, speaking of uh, the most interesting people in the world, uh, you're pretty interesting, as we've discovered throughout this show. And you're quite a renaissance man. In fact, you write poetry. You found poetry. I'm curious how that came into your life and if you have a favorite poet.
0: Um, have a favorite? No, I like uh, a little bit of everybody because everybody gives you, give you something. Um, I don't know exactly how I started writing, but I think it was – to fill a void that I was missing, uh, creative side. Uh, you could write memos <laughs> all you want, you know, there's short little things bump, uh, but there needs to be something more in there. So I started uh, writing poetry. Some, I would wake up in the middle of the night and scribe something down on a, a napkin or a uh, folder and throw it in my locker and then finish it the, ne- the next day. Uh, So I I just, I just write, Uh, I went to uh, Montana last year, I'm sorry, this year, beginning of this year. And I told myself I was gonna write something there. So I journaled a little bit, but I didn't write a poem. So on the the flight back home, I I wrote a poem and I just happened to meet uh, somebody a couple of months later from Montana. So I said, can I share a poem with you? So I, I sent them the poem. And he goes, "Oh my God, I know exactly where you were." So, for me, being able to write relives certain things. Other things inspires me to do other things. Other other ones, I have no idea, no idea where it comes from. Um, but it's all it's all um, it all touches somebody. I my my cousin was going through a tough time, and we are on the phone and i said you're you know you're so good you're so good at who you are as a person you give so much to everybody else and everybody respects you so i go i'm gonna do something for you right now so as we're talking on the phone i wrote her um it was 140 characters um at the time you could write on the phone so i wrote her stanzas of a poem and then i go now you have a poem that's about you it's about you it's called wild horses and the essence is, is that who you are as a person, everybody else sees. And in their chaos of life, who you are as a, as a confident, bold person, everybody sees and you bring comfort to that. So in her, her essence brings calm to the wild horses. And um, I've taken that poem and I've sent it to some uh, fire service families and they were struggling, Um, they had asked for it. Um, I didn't just offer it to to send it to them. They had, uh, somebody had contacted me and said, hey, do you mind if I share? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. So it was sent out and um, they wrote back, said, you know what, I didn't didn't see myself that way. Thank you for pointing it out. So um, inspiration comes from different places, but a lot of it's about romance and stuff like that. And and people go, you're a firefighter. (laughs) Where does romance come from? Like, oh, firefighters are romantic too. Come on,
1: right, Aaron? <laughs> about, uh, yeah, about certain things. You know, we do have a softer side, you know. We, we're, so, and I think, you know what, though, we're not very good at embracing that. So, and maybe that's the way you can bring yours out, right? In a way, it's there's therapy in everything that you can do, I think, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, it's different for everybody. And, and, and maybe the poetry is, is one of the ways, you know, like you said, you needed something to, to bring out your creativity and here it is. And there's a book coming on the poetry, correct?
0: Yeah. It's a, it's on its way. Uh, first version was put together and we have to modify it a little bit, but um, I was told to keep it short. So we're not going to put uh, thousands <laughs> in it, but I think it will have probably about a hundred poems maybe. And then some other words and, and thoughts in there as well. So, my family said it was okay. in The thoughts that I wrote in there to include that and because they're part of my journey through life. So they said, "Okay, Dad, whatever you want to do." So thank you, sweetheart. And we're yeah. good. So
1: well, true Renaissance man. Uh, one final question for you, though: How are you? It's just Joe as a Renaissance man, as a father, as a um, you know liaison for the fire service. How are you working to get better
0: every day, every shift? Um to talk to people you know uh take time to yourself uh sleep right now i'm looking at uh, sleep uh how it affects us positively and negatively um and talking to a couple of professors that are are out there to help us and to see how that's gonna guide myself and other people that are touches you know the the fact that as first responders we're actually probably the the, the culture um, as a whole, of the American culture—we don't get enough sleep, mm-hmm. and it's so detrimental. And then sometimes we we augment that um, that healing that we try to do with alcohol, and so and sleep and alcohol—they're they're not a good mix for for our mental health. So if I can put a program together and present it uh, with some good presenters. Um, you know, get that message delivered out to the first responder community. And then they can take nuggets out of that and take it to their house and talk to their families about it. I'm not talking about, you know, taking a kid sitting down in front of the TV or a slide projector and, you know, and say, hey, this is what I learned. But just have a nice uh, conversation and get off the phone, talk to your family and say, you know what, we're gonna start going to bed earlier. We're going to take our phones gonna put our phones down two hours before bed. We're going to turn the television off. We're either going to talk to each other or, you know, read something and just kind of slow your brain down and you get some sleep. And you're going to, over time, you're going to wind up being a better person and give it back to somebody else on the other side.
1: Well, thank you so much for being a guest. Uh, we could have dove into so many other topics, but I think the essence of of who you are is service and giving back and trying to be at your best. So you can give back is really, um, you know, what we're about on better every shift. And I'm so glad and happy and thankful that you, uh, were here to stop by and, and give us some of that wisdom and some of your stories. Um, for those of you that are listening to this podcast, remember that you can watch us on the fire rescue one YouTube page. You can also email us better every shift at fire one.com. We'd ask, Hey, please rate review the show. Um, if you think we're onto something or on something, if you have questions for our guests, we can relay them onto them. Um, you can also listen to other podcasts um, by going to fire one.com. We have a better every shift page there where you can see, well over 50 of our podcasts now. And um, we had mentioned some of those guests um, earlier through this particular episode as well. Um, again, thank you so much, Joe, for being here. Thanks for your service. Thanks for your dedication. You know, your words of wisdom is we're only here for a short time. So give back, make an impact. And most importantly, make sure that you learn something, do something and share something to make you and those around you better every shift. Thanks for listening, everybody.